Hey, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. First touch, strong connection, it lays deep in your soul. Hi, this is Nancy Yearout, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. And we have a very special guest today. Rebecca Randall Gilbert is here. And welcome to High Road to Humanity. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Nancy. I'm happy you're here. This is her cool book. Check this out. Weedy Wisdom for the Curious Forager. Common Wild Plants to Nourish Your Body and Your Soul. And I'm into the natural stuff. So Rebecca Randall Gilbert, I mean, she has written this beginner-friendly book. So anybody can do this. It shows you how to incorporate foraging into your life with eight essential lessons based off of classes that Rebecca taught at camp. Hopefully I'm pronouncing this right. Jabberwocky? Yes. Okay. Jabberwocky. It's yes. the oldest summer camp in the U.S. for people with disabilities. And so She's got a wide range of edible flowers in here, plants for first aid, you guys. It's really interesting. And we're going to talk about some of this stuff today. But Rebecca, I just would like to hear your story. I mean, you went to this camp. I know it was founded in the 1950s by Helen, you call her Hellcat Lamb. She, it was her desire to improve the lives of the community. And it's been going on now for about 65 years. Is that right? Yes, and uh, they are known for just having a lot of fun wherever they go. And when they asked for me to teach a foraging class, um, at first I was taken aback because we don't necessarily think of people in wheelchairs as your typical forager. And a lot of people think that you have to strap on your hiking boots and go deep into the woods and identify rare plants in order to forage, um, which is not something that these campers were uh, easily able to do. So that's what originally turned my focus to the very common weeds that were right around us because I wanted things that were easily accessible, even for um, a person that doesn't leave the sidewalk, like a person in a wheelchair, or like many of us who live in more urban areas. So uh, once I started looking, I realized that there were certain plants that, um, that were just pretty much everywhere. And You could see them here on the farm, but you could also see them back at Camp Jabberwocky and even in urban and suburban lots and city parks and places like that. So that focus of the book is those common weeds. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you, I love how you talk about this. So 
let me rewind a little bit. So at what point did you kind of get together? There's a little story about this. You got together with the Native Earth, uh, let's see, Native Earth Teaching Farm and then camp. The camp got together and decided to do these classes. Is that right? Yes. Okay. We, we had them. Um, they, they've they been regular visitors um, to the camp to the farm um for many years and they come over and hold newborn baby goats and collect eggs and all those farm things and so this was an in addition to doing that and this was a a special especially focused class on the foraging as well as doing the other farm things. So as they started to come and you started to teach them these things, you saw that it was, they really enjoyed it and that it was, you know, interesting to everybody. Yes. And it was especially interesting to me because um, they are just very fearless in terms of what they are willing to try um, they do a lot of things the the campers do a lot of things while they're at camp that they don't do in their regular life, like, um, sailing and horseback riding and nice kinds of beach activities and, yeah. um, and visiting the farm is one of those things, uh, but in in their regular life, they do have to be fearless, and they have to be willing to uh, think about subjects that a lot of us try to avoid, like pain and death and illness and loss and grief and things like that. They are very open about those things because of their life experience. So while they were beginners in terms of foraging, they were definitely not beginners in terms of having deep and interesting and meaningful conversations. So that was where I, I got a lot out of the classes. Oh, okay. I love it. Well, I want to talk about some of these things. Now in the beginning, we can't talk about all the plants, but you know, you talk about some foundational foods, like some of your basic greens, Um, you know, so what's a basic green if I would go outside or that you would find on the farm that would be something I could use other than going to the store and buying lettuce or spinach or something like that. So it really depends on, um, what time it is it depends on the season okay so in spring there's a lot of things that come up and are very tender and delicious um early in the year and then a lot of times when they start to flower they will get very bitter and any gardener has had that experience with lettuce your lettuce will be tender and delicious. And then all of a sudden, once it begins to bolt and send up that flower stalk, it becomes very, very bitter. Okay. A lot of plants do that. Okay. They want to be grazed before the flower stalk happens because that 
actually strengthens their root. But then once that flower stalk starts to grow, they don't really want that to be nibbled off. That's a lot of work, and that's their seeds for next year. Got it. Okay. okay. That makes then sense. That really is bitter. So I... in the early spring, the dandelion greens are good. Um, so wait, let's stop. So that's just the leaves on the dandelions. It's before yeah. you see a dandelion. It's just the greens on the side. And once you see the flowers, if you taste the greens, you might not like them because at that point, they're really, really bitter. They're like bolted lettuce, which okay. is most. Okay. So when, because a lot of time, because uh, uh, dandelions are like a delicacy in a lot of places. They're so good if you get them before they flower. Got it. And okay. The, there's other things you can do with the flowers and the roots, but as far as the um, the foundational greens, that I think of as being um, when you really want a significant amount of food, as but uh, not just a little bit of flavoring, like uh, a spice or a, a little bit of a of a garnish, um, but something that is really um, what they used to call hun hunger chasers. Okay. And so those first greens coming up in the spring, part of the reason they taste so good is if you haven't had a lot of fresh food through the winter. Okay. And maybe you've been living on your sauerkraut and pickles and stored onions and potatoes and things like that. Right. Those first greens start coming up, boy, they are good Got and it. very appealing. But then later on, um, I like other things as the summer goes on. So there's more. All right, listen, we're doing the podcast today, you guys, so that um, people can hear us too. You can hear us on Spotify. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts. And you can hear us on Toginet Radio. I'm here today with Rebecca Randall Gilbert. Her book is Weedy Wisdom. It's for the curious forager, you guys. This is Nancy Earl. This is High Road to Humanity. And we will be right back. Hang on, we have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book a session with Nancy to learn how to tap into your own abilities. Hold your head high, the world is coming. Watch the colors lift your soul. Hi, this is Nancy Yearout, and I want to thank all of my listeners for supporting High Road to Humanity. You can listen to High Road to Humanity on TogiNet Internet Radio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. The show is now streaming on Binge TV Networks. Just search for High Road to Humanity. If you guys are interested in a spiritual reading or coaching, visit my website, nancyyearout.com. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Let's hit the 
Hi, this is Nancy Earle. This is High Road to Humanity. I'm here today with Rebecca Gilbert. Her book is Weedy Wisdom. We're learning about plants. You know, I just want to say that the way of the world, you know, food shortages, you go to the grocery store and they're low on things. There's so many preservatives in our food today. I just am so happy you're here and that you wrote this book because there is probably going to come a time, I'm not predicting, but kind of predicting, where we're going to need this. What do you think? Yeah, I do think so. And for myself personally, um, I, a few years ago, I had a real battle with Lyme disease, which is very common here. Oh, wow. And um, there were two years when I really could not garden. Um, and my beautiful gardens just filled up with weeds and were completely neglected. And when I started to feel a little bit better and I could actually get out of bed and sort of crawl out there and see what it looked like, none of the things I had planted in the early spring were still there with very few exceptions. Uh, but the weeds were vigorous and healthy and I was able to eat those. Cool. And um, they really helped bring me back to health and they were very available and easy to um, access because they were kind of in my face. That's and so I think that they are uh, a lot easier to grow than some of the vegetables that we plant. And um, of course, I love all the vegetables that I plant and I'm glad that I'm able to garden again. Um, but I... I consider um, the edible weeds to be part of my gardening crop. And even though... Were, not to interrupt you, but what were some of the weeds that you were able to eat that you felt that really... Because anything from the ground, you know, from Mother Earth is nourishing to the body. So lamb's quarters is a really good herb for um, beginners because it's really easy to identify and it tastes like spinach, and it doesn't tend to get bitter okay. like a lot of herbs do as they get older. Right. And, um, I was looking so, for a picture in the book. Do you have a picture of it? The um, lamb's quarter? So people is. can see what it looks like. <laughs> now, I want to ask you, I grew up on a farm, and yeah. we used to call that, is this what we used to call, they look like rabbit ears. Um, no. You know what I I'm talking about? Know. Okay. You might have called it Goosefoot, though. That's another name for it. Yeah. Yeah. It, so what's it look like? Is it, is it, how would I recognize it? sort of arrowhead-shaped leaves. Okay. And it looks like, especially the top, the growing tips, kind of look like they've been sprinkled with sugar or flour or something like underneath their little mealy and um you can put that in any recipe that calls for spinach and most people will not notice the difference wow uh, it's not quite as dark green okay but it's even more nourishing than spinach wow and um it's just delicious that's amazing raw or cooked it's 
no tricks okay. or tricks to that one. Okay. And later in the summer, I really like to eat a lot of purslane, okay. um, which it, it, this year we had a drought and purslane was one thing that did really well, even in the unwatered areas. Okay. I love it. Now your farm is is in Martha's Vineyard, near Martha's Vineyard? Yes, on Martha's Vineyard. It's How long have you been there? Can I ask? Is this um this was my grandparents' farm. Okay. So it's been in the family for almost a hundred years. And um I was a summer kid here growing up and settled here about forty years ago. Fabulous. And uh married an island farmer and now i don't even go to town very often never mind anywhere (laughs) i love it though that's awesome you know there's one thing in your book you talk about that really reminded me of my childhood and i don't see it that much anymore and it's sassafras and my grand, we used to always have sassafras tea, and now I don't see sassafras. And I wanted to ask you about it. Does it come from the roots of the sassafras tree? Is that where the tea comes from? Yes, you can use all the parts of the um, tree. And I, I know a lot of people who make tea out of the twigs and leaves as well, which is also good. Okay. Um, it's not sold commercially anymore because there were some studies indicating that um, the active ingredient might be harmful for the liver. I don't believe so, that. Uh, that's something that um, I recommend that people do their own research about. Okay. I, <laughs> I feel that... Um, that those studies involved concentrating one compound from the plant and taking really large doses of that. Um, in some cases, they injected it under the skin of rats and they sometimes would get a tumor from that. Um, I don't recommend injecting anything. Um, and sassafras has a really strong distinctive flavor it's the flavor that gave rise to um the taste that we think of as root beer right because root beer was originally uh, a medicinal tonic um concoction and it would have a number of different roots in it but sassafras has such a strong flavor that that would sort of carry the day and um so that's where the name beer came from is the roots yes yes and um okay the the taste of sassafras i love it um but it's something that when you've had enough all of a sudden it doesn't really taste good to you anymore and it's not something that i think people are going to have a big problem with overdosing because you drink some of it tastes great. And then it's like, that's enough for now. You're done. Well, it was used as a tonic to treat disease. Yes. And it's very um, nourishing and also medicinal. 
Yeah. So I would not write it off, but no, um, not at all. Um, I do encourage people to look into that because it is something where I think everyone should make their own decisions. Yes, I agree with that. I just remember as a kid drinking sassafras tea, didn't realize the medicinal uh, properties to it. Um, and then it's, I thought to myself, it's been so long. I wonder if they even have it in the stores anymore. Well, that's why they don't. It's because of that uh, possible um um that it might be difficult for your liver that's so okay. if you have a compromised liver you might want to limit the amount that you drink right but i i drink it regularly. what about root beer today is there anything is root beer just a flavoring today there's nothing in it anymore yeah. is I think it is mostly a flavoring. Um, another root that was used in the same way was ginger, and we still have ginger ale. But I think really only the Jamaican style ginger ale has ginger enough ginger in it to yeah. be. But when I was a kid, they would give us ginger ale for an upset stomach because of the stomach settling attributes of the ginger but there again i don't know how much ginger is in yeah oh mostly their sugar we've got yeah mostly their sugar which is poison and we shouldn't have <laughs> so. the old ways of making these um sodas and beers and ales like ginger ale yeah um you would um put some sugar in or fruit juice to, to cause the fermentation and let it ferment only for a couple of days. Right. And then it, and that's why it was fizzy is because it was still fermenting. I love it. And it had very little alcohol in it. Mm -hmm. So it was considered suitable for children. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's also full of probiotics at that stage. So it was healthy in terms of the medicine that was in the roots, but also the probiotics from the fermentation process. We got to get back to basics, Rebecca. Yes, we've gotten, we've gotten way out there. All right, you guys, we're doing the podcast today. I'm here today with Rebecca Randall Gilbert. Her book is Weedy Wisdom, and we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Hang on, we have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book your first 30-minute coaching session for free to get you on your high road. Hold your head high, the world is coming. Watch the colors lift your soul. Help me, Toginet. You're my only hope. I want to start a podcast, but I simply don't have time. How do I take care of the details? Editing? Contacting guests? Where do I put it so that people can listen in? Fear not. The podcasting wizards here at Toginet can take care of all of the details because we provide full-service podcasting for all of our hosts so that you can focus on your message. We even build you a webpage that you can edit. And we send your podcast out to Spotify and iTunes so that your message is easy to find. Wow, you can do all of that? You've magically cured my anxiety. 
Where do I sign up? You can find all of our packages on our website, toginet.com. That's T O G I N E T.com. If you would like to talk to one of us, call us at 903 787 5880 or email us at staff at toginetradio.com. We'll be right back on High Road to Humanity. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download directly from Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, so you never miss an episode of The High Road. Hi, it's Nancy Yearout, and I'm back here today with Rebecca Gilbert, and we're talking about all kinds of plants. She's written this fabulous book. I love it. It's so interesting. You know, we got to get back to basics. I was telling her, and one thing I can remember growing up, um, my mom always had mint. I can remember riding my bike and just going by the mint plant and grabbing a piece of mint off of the plant and sticking it in my mouth. You know what? She used it for tea. Iced tea, hot tea, you know, talk about this. Yeah, mint is a wonderful tea, and we had it growing up, too. Um, And also, other things would be flavored with mint, like if you had lemonade, you might put a sprig of mint in it, and um, adult drinks, they would sometimes put sprigs of mint in them also, Mm -hmm. and it's not usually considered a savory herb, but I found that if I'm doing an herb mixture and something like a bean salad or something where I just chop up a whole bunch of herbs and something, that putting some mint in there is also good. Um, and that's, it's used a lot that way in the Middle East as well. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I grew up with, but I've learned to like it that way as well. And here, mint is invasive, and we tend to grow it in pots because it will climb over the side of the pot and root itself and form patches, and they are pretty much there forever. And they um, they take over and grow and form a patch that is all that one thing. And... That to me is the definition of an invasive plant as opposed to just a plant from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, not all the aliens are invasive, but some of them um, do tend to take over and make it so that nothing grows there but them. Okay. And that is, is um, invasive. So, When you have a plant like that, you can contain it, like keeping the mint in a pot um, or finding ways to make sure that it doesn't um, take over. Got it. You know, you do it. Well, you do a chapter on invasive plants, and I think that's interesting that you do that. You also do a chapter on seeds. And it seems like in the last few years, people have been into flaxseed seed. 
and all these different seeds. Talk, what do you think? Talk about this. Because seeds can be used, you say, sprinkle on food. You can put it in the flour. You can put it in stews or soups or breads or crackers, cookies, energy bars. Seems like people are getting back to the seeds. What do you think? Yeah. Seeds are real um, powerhouses of nutrition and flavor. Mm -hmm. The plant has packaged everything for its future into that seed. And a lot of times the seeds and the fruits with the seeds in them will be very attractive to us and tasty and nutritious because a lot of plants spread by being eaten by animals and then the seeds pass through. So, Although, of course, the seeds are not going to grow after they've been boiled or ground into flour or some of the things that we do to them. Mm-hmm. In general, the plants benefit by having the seeds eaten by animals. Mm-hmm. So they tend to make them really delicious as a result. I see. And, uh, and even if a few get through, you know, that serves the plant's purposes. Um, and they also store better than a lot of plant materials. Um, so as you think about trying to put some things aside for the winter from your foraging, um, seeds and dried roots and teas and things like that can give you a little taste of that nature, um, even during the winter time. And... In the, in the ancient times, people gathered all kinds of grass seeds and weed seeds and mixed them all together. And as long as you don't have like poison ivy seeds or something in there, um, you can mix anything that you know is edible. And that is, is very ancient and traditional way to use them. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Really interesting. You're telling me a lot of interesting things that I never knew. The audience is going to love this. Um, so, and so it's kind of gotten back to nature with the seeds. So that's good. And a lot of people, let's rewind to the teas. A lot of people are back to drinking teas and there's a lot of tea stores. I see more of that too. Have you as well? Yes. It feels yes. It feels like that. Now I have a question. How do you know? I love you put this in the book. She has a chapter on eating flowers, edible flowers. And you say, don't eat anything from the florist. And I had to chuckle. (laughs) It's like, come on. But I guess somebody might do that. But talk about the edible flowers. Are there that many or are there not? And how do we know? There are tons of edible flowers i i keep finding out even since i've written the book i found out about more a lot of the vegetables that we grow have edible flowers like what the exceptions would be um the nightshade family like potatoes and tomatoes it wouldn't kill you if you ate one flower but those are probably not good for you okay Um, But most of the garden vegetables like radishes or arugula 
they tend to go to flower pretty quickly and you can pick those flowers off and they taste pretty much like the plant does. Um, the arugula tastes just like arugula. So if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Okay. Same with cilantro. Um, a lot of the herbs have flowers that taste like they taste, but are prettier and can add color to dishes. Okay. So there's a bunch that are kind of mild flavored and maybe a little sweet that are good on desserts. But then there's also a bunch that are quite spicy and savory um, that are good for like nasturtium flowers, for example, taste hot and spicy, kind of like radishes. Okay. So you wouldn't necessarily put those on a cupcake. Right. You would put on a taco or on a sandwich. What about basil? Yes, you can definitely eat those basil. And you, okay, because I picked them off because I know I'm supposed to pick them off, but I never thought about eating them. So I could. Yes, you could. And you can also use them for tea as well. Basil. Yeah, the flowers. Yeah. That you them off. Yeah, basil is always something that I like to grow, and uh, rosemary. What a, rosemary really doesn't flower, does it? Or does it? Uh, sometimes so much. it has little blue flowers. Okay. And I picked those off and sprinkled them on. Okay. And things like that. Okay. Yeah. Kind of makes it pretty. So you have also in the book recipes for pickling and for canning, which I think is really interesting because when you pickle something like cucumbers or whatever, they last for the winter. You can pickle beets. There's a lot of different things you can pickle. Yes. Uh, we just had our first really hard killing frost. And so, um, I picked all the green tomatoes and oh. put them in salt brine with dill and garlic. And they are starting to taste pretty much like dill pickles. Oh. Um, and when I think they're sour enough, I will put them in the fridge and they will last for a couple of months before they're all gone. Okay. I think I have a gap. them. I love it. That's fabulous. That's really cool. Um, canning. Do you can a lot? Do you can, you know, or do you freeze I, or what do you do more of? I do all of them. Um, okay. The canning, I don't really uh, discuss um, how to do the specifics of canning, the, um, the boiling water bath kind of canning. Mm -hmm. Uh think there's a lot of information about that and that is something where you have to um follow your recipes exactly right um it's it's the only kind of pickling where uh if you do it wrong the pickles can be unsafe for your health okay or um the, the more traditional kind of uh what they call lacto fermentation where you put things in a salt brine and let them start to bubble like I'm doing with the green tomatoes or like the traditional uh, kosher dill pickles, for example, that you see okay. those old 
barrels of them in New York City. Those were cucumbers in salt water that have been allowed to ferment. That's all they are. There's no vinegar. There's no, it's salt water and your vegetable. That's it. That's it. And how long does it take? I'm just curious. It depends on the temperature. Um, It usually takes on my counter two or three days, uh, maybe up to four or five days. But you can taste it as it goes along. And when it's sour and soft enough, uh, then you slow down the fermentation by putting it in the fridge. Got it. And it'll kind of hold that way for months. That's and if you're, if you're into those kosher dill pickles, they have the full sour and the half sour. That's just how long they sat in the brine. Wow, you taught me something I did not know. Thank you. You guys, we're going to go to break. I'm here today with Rebecca Randall Gilbert. Her book is Weedy Wisdom. This is Nancy Earl, and we'll be right back. Hang on. We have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book your first 30 minutes coaching session for free to get you on your high road. Do you feel like something is missing in your life? Do you feel lost or alone? Do the things you buy for yourself lose their luster quickly? Are you searching for fulfillment within your heart and soul? What if you were given the ability to change your life for the better? To create what you want for yourself? What if I told you you have the ability to tap into the universal energy to design the life you desire? This was my discovery many years ago. As a businesswoman and a single mom, I had no choice but to pay attention to what the universe was revealing to me. And I learned how to use it for my benefit. When you wake up and pay attention to the messages that the universe is showing you, your life will change for the better. Because we all hold the ability to tap into the universal energy to enhance our love life, our career, our finances, anything you wish. This energy was created for our use, and it's free. Now, I'm excited to share this information with you in my book, Wake Up, The Universe is Speaking to You. It's available to you on my website at www.nancyyearout.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y-Y-E-A-R-O-U-T.com, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. And thanks for picking up my book. And may the energy of the universe bless you. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a miracle? I think most of us probably have. Whether it's a financial emergency, health crisis, or some other serious situation, most of us know the feeling of helplessness and even hopelessness. Now imagine having to wait for a miracle for six months, even a year or more. That's the situation for thousands of children all around the world who are waiting for a sponsor. Their only hope of escaping the poverty around them is someone like you choosing them. This is Nancy Yarrow, and I'm joining with compassion to give you the chance to be the miracle in a child's life. For a little more than a dollar a day, you'll provide the physical, emotional, and spiritual support a child needs, not just to survive poverty, but to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Don't make a child wait one day longer for their miracle. You can find out more or sponsor a child right now 
just go to my website, nancyyearout.com. That's www.nancyyearout.com. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hi, this is Nancy Yerout. This is High Road to Humanity. We're on our last segment here today with Rebecca Gilbert. Her book is Weedy Wisdom. If people want to find you, do you have a website or how do they find you, Rebecca? I'm in between websites right now. I'm just starting a new one. Um, I love it. So it will be Native Earth Teaching Farm MV with an MV on the end. Okay. Uh, But they're also welcome to contact me through the publisher, Llewellyn. Okay. Llewellyn published this book, you guys, Weedy Wisdom for the Curious Forager. And you can get it at your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. I'm I'm lucky to have a copy. I loved it. And, you know, you do a chapter on first aid in here. Do you want to just share a little bit about that with the audience today? Yes. This is something um, that I teach all my foraging classes there's a couple of plants um, that are very good to keep small injuries from getting infected. Okay. And my grandmother was very big on that, who taught me a lot of uh, what I know about plants. Okay. He came from a time and place where um, antibiotics had not yet um, come out and people like her did not have access to medical care, uh, professional medical care. So um, the ability to stop an infection from ever happening in the first place was really important. And if you got even the tiniest little injury, even a bug bite, she was all about put something on it. And it was usually something stinky or purple or something <laughs> what did she that she used what, what were her remedies i'm curious um iodine and uh but the main thing was um plants and she taught me to to pick a plantain leaf and chew it up and put it on the injury and that is called spit poulticing and um Nothing I've ever done that with has ever gotten infected. Plantain will protect you from infection if you put it on those small injuries and scrapes. And that's in here. Yes. Yes. Um, Another one like that is yarrow, which also has the attribute of stopping bleeding. Oh. Um, So... These are not going to save you if you get hit by a truck or you have fits or, you know, there's a lot of things that it won't save you from. But if you can prevent infection from taking hold, that can be life-saving in 
a lot of situations. And we had a hurricane here a little over 30 years ago called Hurricane Bob. And when Bob came through, so many trees fell across our little country road that it was um, eight days until they were able to cut a path through and we saw our first human beings. Oh my God. Um, and we, it was not a major hurricane, but it cut us off from potential medical care for eight days. Mm-hmm. That is long enough for an infection to, to take hold. Right. So in that situation, neither we nor our farm animals were injured. But if we had been, the ability to keep that injury from getting infected could have been really important. Even in our modern day and age, when we normally do have access to medical care. Right. Um, so anything that can keep you from getting a problem in the first place is really better than having something that will cure it once it happens. Right. And no. once you get a systemic infection, it's hard to cure, even with antibiotics. So these simple herbal treatments can be very useful um, to prevent problems from ever happening. Mm-hmm. I want to talk, we've got a few more minutes. I want to talk a couple, uh, a little bit about, um, you talk about cooking techniques. Um, you talk about different woods. And I, I think a lot of people know this where, you know, a lot of times they'll use a smoker and they'll use a certain kind of wood that will give flavor to the food. So you address that. Um, you talk about leaves, grape leaves. Can you eat, yes. the, can you eat the grape leaves? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, first, living on Martha's Vineyard, we're surrounded by wild grapes. Right. Um, how the island got its name, that the, the um, Vikings um, wrote in an early manuscript that they could smell the grapes out at sea before they got, got came into sight of land. Wow. Um, and that was somewhere in this area. So um, the grape leaves are delicious. They're as good as the um, Greek grape leaves that you might get in the store. Yeah. And you fill them with similar kinds of fillings or your own kinds of fillings. Mm -hmm. And I have a few different recipes for them in the book. Yeah. As well as how to process them. But I would have to say that that was probably... Camp Jabberwocky's favorite dish of all the um, weeds that we ate. The stuffed grape leaves was was the most popular. And I had not realized until I gave the class, um, there were some people with dietary restrictions. Um, okay. Some of the people were vegan. Um, there was a couple gluten-free people. And the stuffed grape leaves, if you stuff them with a rice and herb filling Mm -hmm. and you do not add meat or cheese, those are a very good um, item to bring to a party because they can be eaten hot or cold. They can be eaten with your fingers. 
and it seemed like everybody could eat them. Yeah. And there are not too many things you can bring that everybody that is on everybody's diet. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things actually. The and they're so yeah. luxurious, really. Yeah, they are. You know, I want to ask you real quick about the wine. Do you make wine or since there's so many grapes? I mean, do you have vineyards to where you make any wine there? Um, no, it's I guess they're not great for wine. They're really good for jelly. Okay. Uh, and I have made um vinegar out of them. Oh, okay. Where you they make a wine and then let it go beyond that into vinegar. And that was actually pretty good. Okay. Um, you can make a mediocre wine out of them, but it's, yeah. it, I haven't had one that any so far that anyone's made where I thought, wow, you know, look out France. Or yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Well, I want to ask now, so since you've written the book, I mean, do you still t give the classes? Do they still come from the camp? This year, um, we did a baby goats and drumming combination oh, wow. for them when they came. And we did do a little bit of weed eating on the side, but the drumming was the main thing. And also we had a, a really lot of cute baby goats, which they always enjoy. Um, but, but, we love having them come and um how many both, come when they when, how many children um it's usually around i would say between 25 and 50 people oh wow and split them up in two groups so half did goats and half did uh drumming and then we switched um and next year we'll do something different they're always um creating new experiences. Yeah, I think it's fabulous. I, I want to say I think it's fabulous. I'm in New Mexico that, and I'm familiar with drumming. A lot of people aren't, but I would imagine that that would be uh, calming. Yes, it is. And um, one thing that I'm interested in, in is um, most cultures around the world, traditional agricultural cultures, feel like drumming and dancing is an important tool of agriculture and they do certain festivals or planting songs or dances or harvest um, rituals and they feel like that is important to the to the farming and that's not something that we Yankees tend to use and i think it'll be interesting to see how the farm responds over the next few years i think it's well that's native, yeah that's why the native americans did it you know giving back yeah. to mother earth giving back to the land and and blessing the land and saying thank gratitude i think that's the biggest thing is is gratitude showing gratitude towards the land don't you yes and also, science is gradually catching up with mysticism and finding out how important things like vibration and yes. um, some of the unseen worlds that that we now call our microbiome and 
you know, they're invisible forces that we can work with. And um, we've been working with them forever, but now um, science is also be becoming able to recognize some of these connections. Yeah, so the elementals, exciting. the elementals, the earth, yeah. the elementals, yes. I'll, I'll mention that before we get out of here. Before we go, I have to say, your sign behind you, I love it, hex racism. And, you know, I always say we're all souls in these bodies. doesn't matter what we look like on the outside. I think it's fabulous that you have that up there. Could you want to say something about it or... Um, I would just say that um, most people know that that hexing and cursing is quite dangerous because it um, it echoes back on you as well. So one thing that I uh, was taught is that you should not um, wish something on somebody else that you are not willing to accept yourself. Wow. So um, for me to say hex racism means for me to work on um, eliminating it in myself and being reminded of that and that that is how we um, radiate out into the world. I love it. So I do have it here in my zoom background as another way of radiating it out into the world um but but i think that um that that is something that um that begins within and then extends outward in a very positive way if it's done correctly and if it's not done correctly, it can be very destructive. So. Very well said. Very well said. Thanks, Rebecca, for coming on. Well, I really enjoyed this, Nancy. It's always fun to talk to someone with enthusiasm for nature. Well, yeah. I mean, we got to get back to nature. It's how we're going to survive, I think. Her book is called Weedy Wisdom for the Curious Forager. You guys got to pick this up. It's by Rebecca Randall, Randall Gilbert. And Rebecca, I'm glad you joined me. I hope you'll come back again and see me. Sure. Love to. Thank you, Nancy. You're welcome. All right, you guys, we're going to get out of here for today. This is High Road to Humanity. Everybody take care and God bless. Please join me next time on The High Road with stories full of love and hope for our future. You can find High Road to Humanity on TogiNet Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now watch The High Road on Binge TV Networks. My channel is High Road to Humanity. Have a blessed week and know by staying on The High Road, you will make it to your destination. For a psychic empath reading, visit my website, nancyyoureout.com, to book your date and time with me. I will deliver your messages from the angels and God bless.